The following message is part of Cleveland First Baptist Church's Sunday morning Bible study series through the Book of Romans. Uh, good morning. Um, I want to say that I'm honored to to be able to share a Sunday school with with you. I normally uh, deal with the children, so we're going to have to. Uh, Adjust this for adult audiences, but that's okay. Uh, but like I said, I, I really do uh, appreciate the honor. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the ability, even in adversity, to gather together, even if it's scattered all over the county. But we thank you for your word and the ability to delve into it and help me, God, to, to do a good job and not be an embarrassment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so today's lesson, the title of it is Secured, and it's in Romans chapter 8. It primarily focuses on verses 12 through 25. Now, um, I, I want to kind of do a little bit of background here. Romans is primarily, or a lot of it is, focused on what we would now call apologetics. Now, apologetics is not making an apology for something you did wrong. Apologetics is a reasoned argument or set of writings in justification of something typically religious in nature. In other words, he's building a logical, well-reasoned case for Christ being Savior. That's what apologetics means. So when you hear somebody say that term, now you know exactly what they're talking about. Because Paul, actually Jesus was the first apologist for the scripture because he did actually did a lot of it. But Paul did more of that. And then later on we had several of which probably the most famous in recent history is C.S. Lewis. Okay? All right. So now, also, I am not a King James only person. Uh, having said that, I believe if you want to have the full picture of everything, that you have to read multiple translations in order to see the full picture. Because some of the modern translations, in order to make things understandable, have made some things weaker. Okay? So we're actually going to be bouncing translations. So... And I'm going to use the New King James because some people can't understand the thys and the thous and the shouts and shout nots. So we start in verse 12. This is why I love some of the older translations. Therefore, okay, therefore is a key word. Whenever you see therefore, you have to look and see what it's there for. So um, before that, he goes in and he talks about the contrast of no longer living in condemnation to living in faith. He goes about how we went from living in the flesh to in the spirit. He talks about that transition from the mortal man to the spiritual man. And that's what the therefore is. So when you read any of the older translations, anytime you see therefore, you've got to back up and see what that is tying together. Now, with kids on Wednesday night, 
I quote a lot of King James and New King James, and they use the term behold. And if the kids are there, they will scream look every time that I say behold because that's what it means. If it says behold, it means look. Okay? So key words are critical in understanding the context of a certain set of Scripture. So, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. All right, that's verse 12. So, verse 12 in this version. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. 13. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay. One of the primary arguments that I have heard by people who claim that they are intellectual or academics is if God was willing to forgive everybody, why did he have to crush Jesus? If he was just mad at us for messing up, why did he have to punish Jesus for something he was willing to forgive anyway? They look at it as an anger. It's not. It's a debt. Okay? When Adam and Eve created, when they chose to eat of that forbidden fruit, they created a blood debt. Because when he said, the day that you eat of it, you will die, he didn't didn't stutter. Okay? So they started that day dying, but something had to occur to complete that debt. Now, for lack of a better way of explaining it, when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, God actually allowed the human race to file bankruptcy. Because when a person files bankruptcy, that debt goes away for the person who owes it, but the person who loaned it still has to pay themselves back. They have to count the ledger as even. That is what occurred at the cross. The debt was paid by the lender to those who borrowed. The debt was wiped clean. Now, that I, that's something that's very critical because... When we become brothers and sisters in Christ, we are no longer obligated to the flesh because that debt has been paid by the person who held the debt. Okay? All right. So, then we go to verse 14, and I'm in the book this time. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs, King James says joint heirs, Uh, With Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, we may have been we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glories that is going to be revealed to us. Okay, whole lot in this too. So there's different types of fear. 
it says that we, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So there's the fear of the unknown. There's the fear of harm or punishment. And then there's also reverential fear. So he's not talking about reverential fear. He's talking about the first two types. He's talking about fear of harm and fear of the unknown. Once you are brought into the family of God, then you should no longer have that fear of harm or that fear of punishment or of the unknown. If you really believe that God is the one who's piloting your ship, what are you going to be afraid of? I mean, he, he, he got it. He got it. Okay? All right. Now, second. Um, <laughs> this is a section that the prosperity gospel preachers misquote a lot. Okay? Heirs of God and co-heirs are joint heirs with Christ. But then they leave out the second part. If indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. Okay? Now wait a minute. If I'm saying that this means that I'm beautiful and I'm smart and I'm wealthy, then we leave out the suffering part. Nobody in the history of this earth has suffered like Jesus suffered. And there's been some folks go through a lot of suffering. But nobody came close. So when we hitch ourselves to his wagon, we're bearing the load together, but we're still never going to go anything so excruciating. So, I don't even know how to explain it. So traumatic is what Jesus himself went through. Because every time that we go through something, we have that assurance that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father is with him. But when Jesus was on that cross, due to the fact that Jesus became sin itself, God could not bear to look at his own son. He had to turn his eyes. For that moment, Jesus was completely alone, sharing, taking Every bit of everything that was bad, everything that was harmful, every sin, every disgusting thing that had ever been done, that would ever be done, was laid on his shoulders. I promise you, you're never going to suffer like him, but we do take part in his suffering. Okay? All right. Now, Abba Father. Best definition is personal father. Uh, in here they say, uh, do they say? tender aromatic phrase akin to daddy. Eh, not really, but kind of. Um, it is a much more reverential. Um, it, it's very akin to dad. It's, it's got that respect level to it, but it's not to the point of familiarity where you're taking advantage Daddy has gotten to the point now where it has a connotation of people taking advantage of that person. Okay? Now, my daughter, I love my daughter, but when she said, Daddy, I knew she wanted something. Okay? I knew it. She wants something. So, but when she said, Dad, 
Okay, that's conversation. That's due differential. That's her giving me my proper respect, but we're going to have a conversation or something's going on. But when she said, Daddy, she wanted something. So we have to be very careful there. And, 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 and it may just be me, but I cringe whenever I hear somebody pray and say, Daddy God. Oh, that just, that to me is somebody who thinks that they're so high up in God's favor that they can almost manipulate God. And, and that they may not mean that, but that's what I get. Okay? All right. But there is a parent-child relationship there. Okay? God does correct us. He does guide us. He tells us what to do, how to do. He guides us through the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the most common questions that I've ever been asked is, I feel like God wants me to do something, but I don't know what. Okay. Find something that needs to be done and do it. And if you're not meant to do it, God will move you somewhere else. I, I, that's, I don't find that hard. I mean, I couldn't do the nursery. Can't do it. Okay? But you find stuff to do. And then people go, okay, well, you're not real good at that. What about this? God will move you where you need to be. Okay? All right. Verse 19, for the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's Son to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. That seems like it's just all over the place, doesn't it? Boing, 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 boing. Okay, but it's really not. Okay? I want you to understand when Adam and Eve committed their open act of rebellion, that it devolved everything on the planet. Due to their actions, everything had to experience death. Their decision didn't just affect them. In fact, it immediately affected the lives of some animal which we don't know what was. Because God had to make them close out of animal skins. That is the first death that had ever occurred on planet Earth was when God had to take the life of something else to clothe the man and woman for the sin they committed. It was not <clears throat> designed to die. You know, and we we wonder, okay, well, why does the Bible say that some of these people lived 900 years? Um, well, they had to learn how to die. Life was meant to continue. You weren't meant to die. You were meant to continue to grow. But we messed it up. And we continue to mess it up. 
Okay? So I want you to understand that nature, if it had a thought process, is going, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait till it's completely fixed. Oh, I can't wait till it's completely fixed. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Because that old oak tree that's dying, once it's completely fixed, it may be a completely different oak tree, but it will never die again. The birds, the animals, it's hard to comprehend that all creation suffered as a result of the actions of two individuals, but all of creation is also waiting with eager anticipation of the renewal when the new heaven and the new earth is created and all of those that have joined the family of God have their bodies transformed into a heavenly body, which is what we were supposed to have been in all along. Okay. Verse 23. Not only that we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is not seen isn't hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Okay. Again, a whole lot there. So, we ourselves, who have been born again by the Spirit, first fruits. First fruits? Yeah, first fruits. Our Spirit is the first thing to be recreated by Christ when eventually all things will be recreated. Now, that doesn't mean that people who die without Jesus will also be recreated because that's not the case. But all the rest of the creation will be. I am going to enjoy finally figuring out exactly what a wasp was created for. Or a yellow jacket. I hate yellow jackets. They're always bad. All the time. They will chase you down just to sting you. Or bite you. Or both. Whilst most of the time you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. But the yellow jacket, they're just, they hadn't had enough caffeine or something. They're, they're mad all the time. Okay? So I'm looking forward to seeing what a yellow jacket was actually originally created for. Other than stinging or biting me. Okay? All right. So inside our bodies, and everybody has experienced this. Everybody has experienced this. Paul talks about it. Knowing that you should do something and just not doing it. And knowing that you shouldn't do something and doing it anyway. And then you're so mad at yourself. You're so mad at yourself because it's like, ah! I know I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? That's actually our spirit groaning. Going, you know what? You, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. And I'm throwing that in there for Nicole because she loves that video. Uh, but now, hope. Hope is a cool word. And it's... We're in the... Okay, so you don't hope that a tree will grow if it's this tall. And it's got leaves all over. Uh, yeah, 
Okay, as long as it don't die, it's going to grow. I can see it. There it is. Okay? But in the weakest form, every time you put a seed in the ground, you're expressing what God expressed in us in the weakest terms possible. I believe that everything in nature has the ability to teach us something spiritual. Everything in nature. Because if I put a green bean in the ground, I'm not expecting peaches to come up. But I don't see the green bean. Even when it comes up, it's just got those two fake leaves. I'm not seeing any green beans. It's not till it's run up the pole that I even begin to see blooms, which are still not green beans. So, when God looked at Greg a long time ago and said, I think I can make something decent out of him. I didn't know what he was going to do. I still don't know what he's going to do. I just, okay, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll do that. I, you know? Um, but hope is always in the future, but at the same time, it's always working towards something. Okay? James, faith without works is, is dead. You show me your salvation without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Okay? There's always action steps throughout it all. So, if we don't see what we're hoping for, does that mean it's futile? <clears throat> no. It just means it's still in the future. That's just the way it works. So, when we're going through this, realize that God, and it blows my mind, it, it really does, that God, when he created the first pile of mud, he could see me, he could see you. When he allowed the first privet bush, and I hate privet, to grow, he saw me going, yeah, it's going to mess up his sinuses. But other people think it smells pretty. He's going to hate it, but other people are going to like it. And bees are going to like it. <clears throat> and he likes bees, so he'll have to put up with it some. He knew I would be here. And he knew every failure I'd make. And it didn't matter. He loved us enough that even though he knew man would fall... And he knew that we would fail miserably. It was still worth the effort. So, I actually went through this a lot faster than I was expecting. Which is okay, I guess. Um, when you study your scripture, and, and I tell, my, tell the Wednesday night kids this all the time, you know, that... Uh, <clears throat> If it's something that you can visualize, close your eyes and imagine you're in that place. Look around. See what you can do. If you're talking about Zacchaeus, see the sycamore tree. See the bark. See the crowd. Smell. I mean, and then if you're reading something that you can't visualize like we are right now, use multiple translations. 
the Amplified Bible in several different translations is wonderful. It's the Bible for the heart of hearing. It takes words and expands it to where it gives you all these different words that could have been substituted for that word. It's awesome. You'll get a better experience with your scripture reading by not just being married to a single translation. Thank you.